If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, Michaela's Run Smarter success story. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me undertrained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. Allow me to introduce you to Michaela. So uh, I've been working with Michaela or had been working with Michaela um, last year in 2022 and she had been dealing with a few things, um, but we're mainly focusing this episode on her ankle, um, her posterior tibial tendon or tibialis posterior. Those seem to be used um, interchangeably, but nonetheless, the tendon that runs on the inside of your ankle just behind that ankle bone that protrudes and she had been dealing with it for about four months when we started working together and it was the start of 2023 where she sent me a message saying hey uh, things are going really well one out of ten pain working on my cadence and just started training for a marathon Um, things are looking great keep you updated and then it was about March where she reached out again and said Completed my marathon, didn't exactly get the time I was hoping for, but uh, really happy with how I'm tracking. So we just sort of conversed back and forth then because at that time we hadn't worked together for several months. And so it's good to have an update, good to have a chat about, you know, what she found the most effective and then lined up a success story. So you're going to love this one. Let's take it away. Michaela, first of all, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's get uh, the audience familiar with like you as a runner. So um, how about you just dive in and talk about sort of what races you do, what sort of running you enjoy, that sort of thing. Um, Well, I've been running marathons since about 2005 um, and I've done a total of about 40 marathons and ultra marathons in that since, since 2005. So I like long distances. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. And um, I really, um, I really enjoy the trails. When a friend of mine turned me on to them, um, probably like 2010, it took a while to get me out there because I was like, I'm just going to roll my ankle. (laughs) I don't, but once I did, I was like, this is so much fun. Yeah. I was sold after the first time. It's very common. Uh, it's a very common story and a very common experience. I love the trails as well. It's just the variety, the nature, the um, sometimes can be quite challenging, but I don't know, just something about it. It's uh, a lot different than just road running. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. 
Yeah. I felt like a little kid just like, <laughs> yeah, running around the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, we're going to talk about your injury and, you know, what will be the success story in a second. But I guess prior to this major injury or prior to us working together, have you had any other major disruptions with injuries um, that, you know, encountered some setbacks? Yeah, for quite a few years, um, I dealt with plantar fasciitis. And um, I went through everything you can think of, Strasbourg sock, um, orthotics. I wore orthotics for a long time. Um, but then when I, the last time I had it was in 2012, and um, I had the Graston technique done to my foot. And ever since then, I roll my foot with a golf ball every night, <laughs> both of my um, knock on wood, I have not had any issues with that. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I had something going on behind my knee in the back of my leg, not behind my kneecap in the back of my leg. I never really was determined what it was, but I had to take some, a little bit of time off and did a lot of walk runs during that time. And it just it was something that eventually went away, but I don't know what it was. Okay. It did, um, yeah. I had to bow out of a couple marathons because of it. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> the uh, It's always that the injury is so much worse when, you know, you have to set back some of your events that you had trained for. It's it's always so much worse. Yeah. Let's dive into this particular injury I like to talk about, mainly revolving around the ankle because um, when we started working together, you kind of had a, piriformis, um, hamstring sort of issue going on at the same time as well. But um, let's focus on the the ankle itself. Um, at the time of the symptoms coming on, um, can you draw any conclusions as to any changes in your training or any particular causes for, for this injury? Nothing that I did at the time. Um, I had trained for a marathon. This was November of 21. I did the marathon, November 21. Everything went fine. No, nothing during my training or during the marathon was a problem. It was about 10 days to two weeks after when I was doing less running <laughs> that um, I started just to get discomfort uh, running up from my ankle up the inside of my leg. Um, and then it got to the point where you know, after I was running, I was limping. So I knew that there was something more going on. Mm. Um, so those were my symptoms. So pain along the inside, because what we suspected was like um, your tip post, the tendon that runs along the inside of your ankle and sort of down towards the arch. And mm -hmm. very characteristically, it sort of like hugs the inside ankle bone and that's sort of where it arcs around where it is most painful. Um, is that the precise location that you're sort of noticing symptoms? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so completed the marathon, recovered from the marathon without any issues whatsoever, but then upon returning to running, that's when you start to notice it and started getting quite considerably sore to the point where you were limping afterwards. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And any changes in footwear, any changes in terrain, any, anything like that? 
Nope. Nope. Okay. Strange one. <laughs> and was there any initial attempts to, I guess, seek out treatment or did you try any remedies yourself um, to try and mitigate the symptoms? Um, I can't remember if I tried anything on my own, but I did see a local physical therapist who, um, you know, after going through her analysis of what was going on with me, she um, prescribed certain exercises to do as well as a walk run similar okay. to what you're doing. Um, and I followed her protocol and I was doing great. I had got built up to doing six miles of, you know, steady. And then I got greedy <laughs> and I threw myself further down the cliff. <laughs> so, okay. I was worse than I was before um, when I, you know, first sought out assistance from her. Gotcha. Also introduced me to your podcast, which is ah. how I. So she okay. won your podcast that you had on um, post-tibial tendonitis. Yeah. Is there, so I guess from work with the therapist, you had a diagnosis. It seemed like it, it, it would fit the pattern of an accurate diagnosis and got you onto some strengthening exercises as well as a walk run. Can you remember what those exercises were? Um, there were calf raises. Um. Hmm. That was the main thing I can remember having me do some balance, um, some like standing on a, a bench and letting one foot drop down. Um, so kind of like doing maybe like a, um, a, a partial single leg squat, you mm -hmm. know, just very small range of motion. Um, yeah, I, that's all I can think of right now that she had told me. I mean, I, 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 I've been weight training, you know, prior to all of this. I mean, I've been weight training for years. So, um, you know, but, but I hadn't done, you know, the calf exercises that I was doing were mainly just body weight calf exercises. Gotcha. And I know it's probably challenging your memory a bit because it was quite a while ago, but with that successful walk run that they assigned, um, can you remember what the protocol was or what your starting point was? How long were you running compared to walking? Um, I'm pretty sure it was, um, all I remember is when I started with you and you had me doing one minute walk, one minute run, it was like, whoa, I'm really going stepping back. So I know okay. she, but I think it was more like a run, four minutes, walk one, and then mm -hmm. gradually and only doing it for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a gradual buildup. And then after, you know, like two weeks add and, you know, change them, you know, two minutes walk, you know, four minutes run. Yeah. So I'm the harsher therapist that <laughs> assigns very painful ratios <laughs> no no but it was it was I, I didn't have a problem doing it i just <laughs> had to accept <laughs> yeah i think one of the lessons that a lot of injured runners have and what i tend to be talking about more and more often these days is that when you start getting better it can be the most dangerous part of your rehab and it's sort of um you sort of conveyed that a little bit saying that 
the strength training, the run walking did really well. Um, you started noticing improvements and then you just yep. went out of the gate, hit the accelerator and then just ended up worse than where you started, which yep. I think is, it's, you know, common. A lot of people have that. I, I like to think of, you know, when you're throughout your rehab, when you're not running to the same extent that you want to be running, it just like creates some tension. It's just like you're putting some tension on a, on a rubber band and it's creating more and more tension the longer and longer you go without being able to do what you love or the speeds or the distances or the the trails and that sort of stuff. And then as soon as you have that glimmer of I'm back, then that band snaps and away you go. And usually that accelerates the, um, the load and sometimes that load is a bit too much and then yeah, back at square one. But, um, there's a lot of, I know, a lot of people will be like, you know, nodding their heads, agreeing with that because everyone, <laughs> myself included has been a part of that at some time or another. But I guess, um, when you were saying that things were considerably worse than they have been, uh, can you remember was it just during the runs, after the runs, or was it starting to carry over in your day-to-day life? What were what were symptoms like exactly at, at that particular stage? Um, yeah, it carried over to my day-to-day life. I mean, I was I, I was limping, not a severe limp, but I was definitely favoring one foot over the other. Okay. So you'd say like symptoms just with walking, symptoms with stairs, barefoot walking. Was there any particular eases or things that would aggravate throughout the day? Um, no, it was basically just from running and walking. But just when you said that about stairs, because um, I, I don't know if you remember that, but I, I run stadium steps once a week. And I, even throughout this whole problem, I've been, I was able to run the stadiums. I was still able to do that. That didn't bother me. Okay. Yeah. But it didn't. <laughs> Always happy. good to know that it's, uh, whenever you can find a, an alternative or a variation that you, you know, symptoms aren't bad during, not really bad after. It's the other stuff. It's the the running on flats or trying to increase your speed or those sorts of things. If you can find some sort of alternative that doesn't exacerbate symptoms, then you know, at least you're onto some component of your fitness that we can lean into while you're recovering. And then when things start getting considerably better, then we can lean into the the, the other things that might be more challenging. So it was good that we had that um, that element to consider. And when we're talking about this tendon on the inside of your foot, it's usually, you know, weight bearing gravity dependent. Like as soon as you put a lot of weight through that foot, um, there's that responsibility, that tendon really needs to work hard to decelerate to control the, um, pronation of your foot. And I guess when you're running upstairs, you don't have gravity thudding down as much as on the flats. If you're running, I guess, downstairs um, with a flatter foot, which you don't really do when you run downstairs, kind of on your toes. But um, I guess that element uh, would be a really nice alternative for, for people who are suffering this, or at least just to give it a try and see what their symptoms, how their symptoms behave. So it's a really nice insight there. Yeah. Um, so we talked about some of the treatments. And I guess when we started working together, 
you mentioned the walk run ratios were a lot scaled back. Um, was there anything else in terms of our work together, our starting point that you thought looking back on it now might've been quite valuable? At the, at the starting point or. Yeah. Like any, any exercises assigned or any run walk insights or anything in particular. Um, well, you started me on the, the calf raises, um, and they were, um, the, the single leg ones that I did holding a, um, kettlebell in one hand, they, they, they were challenging for me. Um, and I mean, not necessarily at the beginning, but as we progressed and you started to introduce, you know, jump roping. And once I got to the point where I could start doing some strides, um, that's where some things that were, you know, I, I thought were real beneficial. Um, mm -hmm. And then the balance, when you have me doing the, the single leg balances, that's, that balance is one of my weaknesses. <laughs> so it's something I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to work on, but that was, that was, that was pretty hard, especially on my injured leg. Yeah. What were you doing? You aren't a template. So your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. Exactly to help improve your balance. Just keep on doing more balance exercises. Yep. I do. Because you, you had a MOBO board, didn't you? Yes, I had the MOBO board. Okay. So um, you, I think I'm just bringing up your program now. We we're using the MOBO board for um, for balance and sort of like the um, calf exercises as well and the skipping, the jump rope. I had the phases in here. And so phase one of your jump rope was doing 30 seconds of jump rope followed by one minute of rest and doing that particular ratio five times. And then once you could tolerate that, then we progressed and progressed and progressed, either mm -hmm. increasing the duration of the skipping or increasing the number of repeats or number of rounds. Um, and so just slowly building up from there. Um, was that something that, um, was that an element of the rehab that you were sort of expecting or like thinking that we would include? Um, no, I wasn't expecting that, but, you know, knowing now what I've learned during this time, um, the importance of jumping, um, it's not now I'm not surprised that you had me doing jump roping because <laughs> it's jumping is, is important. You know, the yeah. 
Um, and it, and for those who aren't familiar with the Mobo board, it kind of has these two like rounded slats that you put underneath and you can sort of rearrange them to move um, and rock the board back and forth in sort of different maneuvers and different ways. So what we had to start with now that I've got your, your ankle program up here, we had the Mobo board um, moving, tapping the foot back and forth five times each side, but then rearranging those slats to then have it move side to side and tapping those side to side five on it, three sets of five each direction, mm -hmm. each side of your foot. Um, so we had those, we had your single leg balance. We had you balancing um, just barefoot 30 mm -hmm. seconds, five rounds, 30 seconds on each side. We had the standing double leg calf raise um, with, we had the toes on a plate, like in front of the toes, so that you the toes were kind of elevated a little bit and the, the heels were dipped a little bit further down. And so doing um, double leg calf raises on that. Um, can you recall any of these exercises that were more challenging than others? Or do you, do you feel like there was some exercises that were way too easy from the start? Um, I, I don't think they were way too easy. And, but I, I felt that they were the appropriate um, level that I needed. Hmm. In regards to like symptoms or like, um, did you find any that were a bit more problematic regarding increasing symptoms afterwards or, um, irritating if you were to progress too much or were they, were all of those exercises are uh, relatively tolerated? I guess the, um, one that I probably noticed the most, um, was the the standing calf raises with my with my feet my toes elevated mm. um that the that my ankle would be would be sore after it um probably not maybe sometimes i didn't do as many reps as i was supposed to do um just stopping before it got too uncomfortable yeah yeah i think like the idea that we had with elevating the toes to start with was just putting, I guess, more tension on that tendon, um, just trying to stimulate it a little bit more as opposed to just doing it from the floor. And so um, if symptoms increase afterwards, it's only just a sign that, you know, we're, we're doing the right exercise with stimulating the, the tendon, but just trying to find the right dosage to start with. Um, you know, might require a little bit of to and fro. If there's a lot of symptoms straight afterwards, then we might have needed to adjust the sets and reps. But seems like we found our feet pretty quickly and started just building up from there. Um, can you recall anything about the walk-run strategy? I know you said um, that there was kind of like a sign of, oh, okay, I have to really scale back now and the, the ratios... I have here um, at the very, very start, I, because of based on symptoms, um, we had the conservative start of one minute run, three minutes walk, and repeating that eight times to seeing how symptoms felt. And um, it seems like in your comments, it seems like the, the ankle was about a level two during the run and went down to a level one during the walk. And then two hours after the run, there was about a one or one and a half out of 10, um, you know, later on in the day. So that was like your very first run walk with those 
with that ratio. And the, um, it seemed like relatively low levels, relatively low levels of pain, like maximum, like a one or a two. So happy to progress. And then we just progressed from there. Um, were you happy with that start point? Were you okay with how you're progressing and, um, following that particular walk run ratio? Yes. Yes. I was, (laughs) I was happy with it. I mean, okay. After I accepted that this is what I have to do, um, it worked out okay. I mean, even some runs I do even, well, it's been a while since I've done it, but I was doing, even when I got to the point where I could run solid, um, I was doing a walk run of a, a four and two and, uh, I would, and then I tried doing a five and one and my, my pace was like the exact same running four and walking two, <laughs> running five and walking one. I couldn't understand. I don't understand how that happened, but, um, but, um, I, I, I'm not opposed to doing walk runs, um, in the future for something that's going to be something that's a little longer distance or something that I, I would, I would do that. Yeah. And now that I've got your program up here, I can see that it was by like two and a half weeks in when we progressed and said the symptoms were falling within acceptable limits. Let's continue progress and progress. It seems like by, even by the end of week two, you were doing two minutes on two minutes off. So uh, and doing that for 10 rounds. So, you know, the, the ramp up was, um, even though the start was quite conservative, the, the ramp up was sort of getting there by, I think week three or four, we were moving on to, um, yeah, like you say, three and two, four and two, and then just building up, I think by week, what's that six, then we started continuous running. We started like adding in, okay, what does, 30 minutes of running continuous look like what are symptoms like there and um you just went from strength to strength there it seems like that first 30 minute run went really well but again just the power of sticking to a plan i think is um the case here so that you didn't have to repeat that same mistake you had last time Mm -hmm. where it was i'm feeling great let's sit let's go out for the run i think i'm finally back let's do what i used to do and then flare up back to square one it's sort of okay i'm feeling great let's continue following this regimented plan because this regimented plan is what got me here in the first place so let's continue moving forward and it's just patient steps from there um i think is is a good lesson for most people that do have injuries um we had a little bit of a discussion around your cadence and working on your cadence and that sort of stuff would you mind sharing um what that was like throughout the rehab? Um, well, I mean, it was hard for me to bump up my cadence. My natural cadence is maybe was like 162 to 164. Um, mm-hmm. but we talked about bumping it up to about 170. Um, so I, uh, I, I got a, a metronome app on my phone and I followed that. And that worked well, but, and then since then I've, I bought a little metronome clip that I can just clip on my cap and it just gives this little continuous beep. Okay. (laughs) As annoying as some people might think it is, but, (laughs) um, 
it, it really helps me. And my body feels better when I do 170. I try to um, test myself periodically and go out without the metronome. And um, I'm, I'm usually like 165. 160. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. And I mm -hmm. do feel better when I go a little bit faster. Can you remember the name of that, the, the cadence app that you were using? The one I had, I had my phone. It was, um, oh, I can't think of it, but it was, it was I can't think of it. I'm sorry. That's okay. Is there, so what you would do is like, um, at the start of your run, you'd maybe just wear earphones, open up that app and then assign a certain frequency of beeps. So you'd assign it to 170 and then you just run to the beat every, throughout the run. Would you do that throughout the entire run or like throughout the running segments of your, your workout? Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the running segments. And sometimes when I was walking, I would, um, I would let it go. If I was only going to be walking for a minute or, you know, 30 seconds, whatever it was at that time. You know, it didn't bother me. Um, I'm, I'm not a person that wears headphones for listening. You know, I don't have to listen to music. Um, so I, I typically don't listen to anything. Um, so to have that as my guide was not a problem. It was. Okay. It wasn't annoying or like irritating to have it beep the whole entire time? No. Well, in that particular app, it had that you could silence some of the beats and it would only like beep on like the fourth count or the eight. Gotcha. So I, I, it would be silent and then it would give a beep. Like it, I, I could, I could set it if I wanted it to beep on four count or eight count. Yeah. Or okay. the whole thing, you know, every count. That's a good idea. Um, I do think some, cause it can drive some people crazy and, <laughs> Uh, the advice that I'd have for someone who wants to increase their cadence and use a cue such as the, like a metronome app would be to kind of wean off it, like use it as training and then sort of gradually wean off it. So for your first run, you might have to listen to it the whole entire time. But if you're doing like a walk run strategy, maybe every second running round is when you'd listen to it and try and get that rhythm, try and get that feel and then try and mimic that the next round without the audible cues. And then as you're sort of picking it up and sort of getting used to it and sort of using it as a, a drill in a way, then you just wean off it more and more and more. Um, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people have when they try and increase their cadence when they are outdoors is they try to, they increase their step rate, they run to a beat that's really fast and they just end up running really fast. Um, did you ever have that experience? Yes. <laughs> yeah. How did you figure out how to, how to slow down? How, how did you that out, yeah. navigate that? <laughs> I haven't figured okay. <laughs> so I ask, cause it's very common that, um, the, cause the idea would be to run at the same speed, but with shorter steps rather than, um, cause so what we're essentially trying to do is shorten your step. But what people will sometimes do is keep the same step length and then just do it faster. And so they just run faster. And that's where a treadmill can be really beneficial because you can just keep to a very rigid speed or just like assign a speed and then work on your cadence, work on increasing your cadence, and then it's fixed. 
So there's some um, some ideas for those who are listening. If you run into the same issue of just running way too fast, <laughs> um, and trying to determine that 170, if that was something that we needed to work on, um, because someone's optimal cadence might be 164 or 165 or 168. I tend to think that um, you know the mid to high 160s for most might be optimal, but uh, for you in particular, when it came to managing your injury for those who aren't injured you know high 160s might be fine not need to change but for your specific injury if we were to but in theory if we were to increase your cadence um it should have lower load or like you know less requirements of that particular tendon so assigning that and then see how you feel and like you said when you keep to 170 your body feels great like it seems like it seems more efficient for you. And so listening to your body at the same time with these adjustments seems like we were we were honing in on something um, more beneficial, I guess. Yep. All right, great. Um, the other thing with the tib post tendon is footwear and terrain play a particular factor with this. Um, I'm not sure if we had much influence with these particular elements anyway, but I thought I'd ask, um, have you experimented with any different types of footwear throughout your rehab and seen anything, anything that might aggravate or might be more beneficial or ease symptoms or anything like that? Um, well, I, I, my, I, I wear hokas and mm-hmm. I was wearing my hoka, my retired running hokas like throughout the day. So I was wearing them all the time. So I've, uh, since then I've, I've stopped wearing my retired running shoes and I wear a pair of shoes that are a much lower, you know, you know, much more minimalist shoe. Um, and I am currently trying to transition into ultras as opposed to the hokas, um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm finding out that the extra cushioning as much, I mean, the good cush, cushioning is good, but I think it, I was too much of a good thing. Isn't, <laughs> isn't good. Mm. You know, like I said, I, I was wearing them all the time. Yeah. It's an interesting balance, isn't it? It's, it's kind of like plantar fasciitis, um, as well, because, you know, people can wear big bulky protective shoes and feel really good. And so they gravitate towards that. Um, but that's only because the, the fascia and the tendons and the, you know, components of the foot are, are, are working less because you have some of that support and some of that structure. Um, so people can gravitate towards that and actually be quite successful with their rehab and they can, you know, be totally fine. But the other side of that is, if you can train your body or build up the tolerance of your body so that it doesn't need that support, yes, it's a risky endeavor to try and move towards the minimalist scale of footwear because the more minimalist you go, the more the harder those tendons, bones, ligaments around the foot need to work. But if you can do it successfully, then you're entering a realm where your body is starting to tolerate, starting to work harder and build up its tolerance that way. So um, people can head in both directions and both are fine, but I'd say in one direction, i.e. the 
the supportive shoes and the hokas um, means that you're a little bit more vulnerable if you ever decide to walk in bare feet, if you ever decide to, you know, have a holiday and walk on a beach where your foot needs to work a lot or you have to stand still on concrete for a while, um, it's leaving you open to some vulnerabilities where in the other direction, as risky as it might be, uh, if you do get there successfully, you then um, are more capable and all of those weak links have been addressed and they become your strong links. And um, yeah, it's a more risky patient sort of endeavor, but probably has more benefits in, on the back end. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. Very much. So where are you in this particular process? You said you're, you're currently transitioning to something that's um, more like minimalist and ultra type of shoes. Um, how often are you spending in those shoes and that sort of thing? Um, well, it's only been a few weeks and I've done um, like a couple of two mile runs and I've, I've actually done those on the days where I do the stadiums. And the day that I do stadiums, I do a two-mile run, and then I do the stadiums, which is about 40 minutes. So it's a, it's about an hour of wearing them. And I've done that a few times. A few times I've just gone, like, I've gone for a three-mile walk and worn them then. I wore them for one seven-mile run, and I was a little, it was a little sore after it. So I, I, that may have been too big of a jump, even mm. though I had, you know, worn them for, I know, a couple of hour sessions. Um, the state, I know the stairs are not as much of an impact as running. Um, so I probably should have done more of like a, a four or five mile run um, in it before jumping to a seven mile run. Yeah. Well, your body's going to tell you. Symptoms are going to be your best indicator when it comes to whether it is too much or, or not. And so, um, yeah, I'd suggest that as you are doing, just continue experimenting, making sure nothing's like really abrupt. And if it is a little bit sore afterwards, then you know you're sort of like flirting with that boundary and that limit. So, um, yeah, you can keep experimenting. Yeah, and. Uh, my next run after two miles will be more of like a four mile one. I won't jump up to a seven just yet. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a, do you have certain rules or certain guidelines about managing symptoms about how, how severe you, uh, what, what falls within acceptable limits, what you are deeming okay in terms of symptoms during a run or after a run or later on the next day? Um, what sort of guidelines are you following? Well, I mean, when you instructed me to kind of evaluate myself in 24 hours after, like the next morning, um, how you felt. Um, so if I'm a little bit sore after the run, it's more, I base it on how I feel the next morning. Um, and so far, I mean, the next morning things have been, have been good. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I, what I, what I'm basing my, um, tolerance on. Hmm. Okay. Um, people would be interested to know, like with your rehab, um, progressing the run walks and progressing the strength and those sorts of things. Um, what does sort of the end stage rehab look like? Like what have you progressed your exercises to look like now? Um, 
Well, you mean you wanted me to do uh, the seated calf raises. So I've been doing mm-hmm. those continue, and, you know, on a consistent basis. Um, I do them, it's both feet are together when I'm doing it. So I'm doing them both together. And I do, you know, it's like 35 pounds for three sets of hmm, eight to 10 reps. Um, I was doing 25 pounds, but I've, you know, built up to 35. Um, so I could, I'm, I should, I could be able to go, you know, increase that. But, um, since I'm getting the eight to 10 reps and those last couple reps are feeling, um, you know, challenging than I feel right now. I'm, I'm still where I need to be for that. Um, I do, um, deadlifts. Um, I do them with the trap bar. When you brought up earlier, I had a little piriformis and, you know, hamstring thing earlier when we first were working together, which that's mostly gone away. But if I do like Romanian deadlifts, I feel it in my piriformis or, you know, somewhere up in that area. (laughs) Um, But when I do the trap bar deadlifts, it doesn't bother me. So I'm doing those. And I, um, when, after my few warm up sets, I do, um, three sets of six to eight reps with those being pretty, um, you know, hard for those last few reps. Um, and then I do weighted hip thrusts. Um, and again, it's about the same, the same amount of weight and the same kind of repetitions that I'm doing with the deadlifts. Um, but those are, those are my main strength, um, exercises, um, that I do awesome. for my legs. Yeah. So gravitating more towards like from rehab being like lighter sort of stuff, um, body weight sort of stuff, then more towards shifting once able to towards something that's looking like the, the heavy, you know, generic strength training, like hip thrusts and deadlifts and that, that sort of thing. And, um, heavy seated calf raises, that sort of stuff. Um, pro, we progressed your running. We went from, you know, eventually doing continuous running and then building upon that. We mentioned the jump rope. So building up those to tolerate, you know, 30 second intervals and 45 and 60 second intervals. Um, we mentioned strides as well. We eventually, cause all of the run walks and all the continuous running was just really slow stuff. But then to, you know, look at how speed was tolerated, we then implemented strides once a week at the end of your running sessions and then progressed those strides and just, you know, just built up the next notch and continued challenging your capabilities and challenging the tendon and challenging your symptoms and seeing how everything was responding. Um, people would be curious to know what have you managed to build up towards? What have you managed to accomplish and what, are you, what have you been up to since? Um, well, I mean, I still have some mild discomfort in my ankle, but it, I, you know, no limping, you know, I feel, you know, fine the next day. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. I mean, I guess I'm a hundred percent, but not without my little, you know, still. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about like how, um, if you do like a challenging run, like what, how far are you running? And then what are symptoms like out of 10 towards the end? by the end of the day, that sort of stuff, what's that like? Um, well, I mean, I just did 
a marathon last month. So excellent. And um, I kept, I had, I wore my little metronome. <laughs> and so I did <laughs> 170 um, throughout. And I mean, I didn't meet my goal time, but I, my body felt good the whole time. Um, and I, you know, I, the, the, the mild discomfort that I had in my ankle never changed throughout the marathon. It stayed the same. And then in the next morning, you know, it was, it was no different. Okay. Yeah. So essentially back to baseline the next day after running a marathon, I'd say that's yeah. extremely successful. Yeah. I mean, I had the typical <laughs> soreness that you get, <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. I wasn't like, <laughs> but as far as the ankle part. <laughs> well done. Um, excellent. So what are you working on now? I think like moving forward, you mentioned transitioning to more of like ultra minimalist shoes. That's great. Is there any other races or things on your bucket list? Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I have signed up for a 50 K that's in September. And, yes. Um, and then a marathon in a road marathon in November. So those are the things I'm going to be doing this year. Well done. Best of luck with those and the preparations. And as we sign off, um, I'd like to just ask, are there any other particular lessons or insights that you've had throughout this rehab process? Um, some that we may or may not have discussed already. Um, anything to particularly highlight to the audience if they're going through something similar? Um, well, I guess the most eye-opening thing that I had, and I, I'm, I'm sure I had mentioned it to you and we're working together, that um, pre-COVID, I was teaching a class once a week that was a like a hit class that had plyometrics in it. And then once COVID hit, we closed down. And then once we reopened, the people that were taking that class weren't coming. And so I wasn't teaching that class. So that would have been, you know, September of 20. So it was November of 21 when I did my marathon. And I wasn't doing any kind of jumping on my own because I wasn't doing that class, not thinking that jumping was necess all that necessary. So I, I, I think I, ha I had a revelation, like, you know, maybe you know, a few, maybe, you know, a few months into after I had worked with you that, you know, I hadn't been teaching that class and it just took a while for my body to have the repercussions of not jumping. So I think my biggest takeaway is plyometrics are something that cannot be ignored and jumping is more important than we realize. Yeah. Great insight. I think the it seems like you were really conditioned to jumping and plyometrics and those things when you're taking those classes. And then once that stops, your body slowly in that plyometric sense, slowly deconditions that stimulus. And it sort of takes away that top tier resilience that tendons love because tendons love the slow, heavy stuff. And then, it, but if you become resilient at the plyometric jumping stuff, then you're just putting icing on a really fortified cake. And if you take that away and you decondition yourself to that stimulus, then potentially it leaves you open to some vulnerabilities, which 
you know, maybe there's a pattern there in terms of your rehab. So a really nice insight. And so I'm assuming that jumping is still remaining as an integral part of your rehab and strength training to date. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will never stop jumping. <laughs> as long as Excellent. Well, I'm going <laughs> to. And like even just beyond a rehab and running perspective, I think jumping is a good element to for people just to continue doing like later on into their life for like, you know, bone health and mm-hmm. tendon ligament health and just, you know, getting that rapid sort of stimulus is uh, something that we don't get with just running uh, and something that's probably should be considered and prioritized um, just for general health. Um, so a good takeaway there and a lot of lessons in this particular story in your rehab journey. And like you say, you're not symptom free, but I think a lot of people would deem it a, a success yeah. if they've ran a marathon and feeling very capable and back to baseline the next day and no real repercussions. And um, it was a, a patient road. It was, like you say, a conservative start, but managed to build things up enough so that you're you're sort of seeing it have long-term carryover. So like I say, plenty of lessons to take away in this story. And thanks for coming on and sharing. Oh, you are welcome. Thanks for asking me. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20-minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. While you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk, and increase your performance. If emails aren't for you, consider my Facebook group, Instagram, and YouTube channels. And remember, each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. Mm